0: Do you know that the church in Colossae is actually not too far from the very famous church in uh, Laodicea, the Laodicean church? And uh, Laodicea is uh, a big city at the time of Paul, and uh, Colossae is just uh, one of the suburbs, if you may, uh, uh, of that big metropolitan city. Now, Colossae really is about about 19 kilometers from Laodicea, uh, the Laodicean church, or Laodicea, the... <laughs> Greek, you know, <laughs> oh, Greek to me. And uh, so they're, they're not, we... Put it in perspective, they're about between where I stand to um, Lakeshore, you know, to to in Front uh, to uh, Front Street or Lakeshore Boulevard. That's about how far between uh, the church in Laodicea and also the church in Colossae. Now, the book of Colossians is very interesting because uh, uh, it was written by Paul as an apostle to the believers in Colossae. But he actually never started the church in Colossae. Paul never started a church in Colossae. It was one of his disciples disciple called Epiphas. Epiphas that started the church in Colossae. And Paul was just the father of the father of the congregation, you know, and they all loved him and respected him and so forth. So when Paul was writing this, he was actually sitting in Rome, uh, supposedly quote-unquote inside the prison because he was waiting for, trial, for his trial in front of Caesar. The word Caesar is not really a name of the emperor. It's the position. It's like president or prime minister. The Caesar at that time was Nero. Some of you know who Nero is, if you study history, he is a mean, mean emperor, and he actually had killed off all the Christians, and And after the city of Rome was burned, uh, was burned, and, and he got really mad, and so he killed of all the Christians, you know, he put them to be fed with lions and so forth, but Paul was waiting trial um, to be tried by Nero or Caesar at the time. Now, the reason because, you know, you remember that the Jewish people had wanted to kill him, and so in order for him to get his justice, he believed he, ought to appeal to the highest court, which is Caesar. He said, I'm a Roman state citizen. I stand in the court of the Roman Empire, and therefore I appeal to Caesar. And that's the reason why now he's, you know, found himself in Rome uh, waiting for trials. Now, his prison is not like the prison that we know of today. Today, if you read Acts chapter 20, 28, and you'll know that Paul's prison is what we know today as house arrest. The Bible says that he had rented out his own quarters, and that he could freely preach and visit, you know, have people visit visit him anytime he wants. In fact, he had held some big meetings in his quarter. Pretty big quarters, and so you know people would send supplies to him, and he would be entertaining guests, and so he was able to freely move around uh, within his quarter, you know, and and so so it was like a house arrest. It was that place that Paul had written the book of Colossians and sent it out to the the churches in Colossae and also Laodicea and 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 different places. But so so Paul really was uh, 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 an apostle writing this to his to the church, which is his. Own spiritual son hath birth, and so as he wrote this, you know, and uh, he he wrote it with a heart of great thanks, thanksgiving and so forth. It's almost like seeing your grandchildren being born. You know, some of you, you know, uh, have better relationship with your grandchildren than your own children because you know you don't have to spank them, whatever. You can spoil them to silly, right? And so that's that's how Paul felt about you know the the the, the church the church in Colossae. But anyways, Paul, you know, uh, he was in the prison. Nobody know what happened after the prison. Tradition of the church would tell you that he was being uh, beheaded at the end of the trial and because Nero, no, he was really mad at all the Christians, you know, so he, he basically decided to kill all the Christians and, and Paul was one of them and that's what the church traditions say, about, but really the Bible never said anything about what happened to Paul and actually nobody actually found his body. And so, you know, so whether or not he, he got martyred is another story. Some people have speculated that the reason they want the story to be that Paul is martyred is because that's the highest honor any Christian leader could achieve. Is to be martyred for Jesus, and so you know all the apostles; they were all martyr for Jesus. You know, and you know, if you study the history, you know, you know that Peter was crucified upside down, and you know different things, right? And so you know, but so they want Paul to have the same honor, and that's the argument. I don't know how true it is, but needless to say, it's really not important because we're writing a book that God has inspired, uh, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write to the to the to the church in Colossae. Now let's um, let's start the the, the study from from uh, Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read from Colossians chapter 1. And uh, verse 1 and verse 2 is actually just greeting, so we're going to just jump straight into chapter 1, verse 3. Just go ahead and show chapter 1, verse 3. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. So Paul spoke to the church in uh, Colossae, the Colossians. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Why? Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. You know that the the believers, the Colossian believers, they were famous for their faith in Christ. They were famous for their love for one another. Well, Hope Willardell will also be famous our faith in Christ, faith in our faith walk with God, how we love God. You know, if anything that I want this church to be known for is not this great preacher, you know, preaching in this church, although I think it is. No, I'm just joking. You know, great preacher, or, you know, or we have great worship or great food or whatever, but that I pray that we will be known as the people, the church means the people that has faith, great faith in God. That when people talk about Willardale uh, Community Christian Assembly or Willowdale Life or whatever, when they refer to this church, they'll say, man, that church, those guys really believed in God, and, then they, and people want to grow their faith, they'll go to Willowdale because, you know, we're famous for that. This is a, a prayer as a pastor for this house, and something else they were famous for is that they were famous for loving one another, loving all the saints, loving the believers that are in the house. I just pray that it is the same thing for our churches, that we'll be known to love one another. I I know that's the case uh, for for many of us you know a lot of people had come to this church and and write on internet and review saying that this is a very friendly church it is good that we are friendly that we love people but I just pray that we'll take one step further rather than just being friendly you know just about shallow deep but we really know how to love each other with the love of Jesus and I'll show you how it is that we can love God love one another in a deeper way in a spiritual way and also how to believe in God in a deeper way in a spiritual way just go to verse Verse 5. Verse 5, uh, Paul says that we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for one another because this is the key. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So the key is this: the key to love one another, the key to believing God the way that we ought to believe is what? Is hope. It's hope in Christ Jesus. Hope is the key for us. To become what we ought to be or what we should be, you see, hope is what drives people's behavior. Generally speaking, not only just Christians, you know. Generally speaking, hope is what drives uh, drives behavior. Let me give you an example. You know, um, you know, as when I used to be a manager, I was a young manager, you know, uh, in in, a, in in the in the computer industry, you know, and and you know, uh, my boss they they always loved me because you know I work really hard. I put in ten hours a day, twelve hours a day you know and uh, i just i just really just work really hard and they, he said man you got work ethics you know some of the older guys you know in their 40s and 50s you know they kind of like really taking it easy now just clocking the time clock out you know do the minimum right but you know paul cool he's there early in the morning he's there late at night you know and 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 you know why? Because I had this hope as a young guy who is absolutely hungry, I have this hope to become a vice president and eventually take over the CEO job, you know. I have this hope. And this hope drove my behavior. But then if I had no hope, if I was thinking I'm just doing it as a job just to make, make, make ends meet, you know. Then there's no hope there. Th- there's zero hope there. And so my behavior will be accordingly. I'll just clock in the time, leave as I need to leave, you know, come in as I need to come in. I wouldn't do one ounce more for the company because why because there's really not much of a hope. but you know it's the same thing as relationship you know sometimes you know when a boy chase a girl he'll do everything right i mean he'll buy flowers he will he will just talk the sweet talk you know he'll be such a gentleman you know and he would just put in the extra extra energy extra you know extra this and, and just be such an amazing guy you know and then after they got married what happened Just slow down, (laughs) just slow down. You know why? Because when this guy is chasing the girl, there's this great hope to get this girl. So because of this great hope, so he'd do everything he could. He'd go out of his way, go the extra mile just to get the girl. Now after the girl married him, he already got the girl, there's really no more of the same kind of hope. He started to cool down, that's the reason why. And that's why I pray that God will give those couple, you know. I'm speaking to myself too, is that a new hope in our marriage relationship. A new God will give us a new hope, some new hope in our marriage, so that you know we can keep the passion and so forth. It's the same thing as everything else on earth. Whatever that you have hope and great hope for, you have great enthusiasm and great passion for. I can give you lists of examples and so forth, but the key is this hope is the key. it's the same thing as our love for Jesus and our love for one another, our faith for Jesus. The problem with why, that the reason, not the problem, the reason why many believers find themselves not able to love as much as they ought to, or believe as much as they ought to, is because their hope in Christ, the hope in the promise of God, the hope in what the Bible says about their future, the eternal life, is somehow being dimmed already, or being, or that they've been distracted from that hope. Now they've been distracted for other hopes of the world, the more temporal hope, you know, temporarily hope, the next job, you know, the next house, the next nice computers, the next car, you know, I mean, nothing wrong with that, but now their focus is on this carnal hope, and they have forgotten about the eternal hope, and that's why they're more about what they have. But once they get the car, once they get the computer, once they get the next wife, once, you know, by the way, it's not a message here, no next wife, you know, one wife's again. Once they got the next girlfriend, once they got the snacks of something, the hope diminished, they need new hope, right? And But, you know, but then as soon as they get it, the hope is going to fade. But, you know, the Bible tells us that, you know, our hope in Christ, our hope in His promise, our hope in, in, in the kingdom of God is eternal, is stronger, is deeper, but somehow we get distracted. We get so distracted that we have forgotten about our hope. Most believers have forgotten about the hope. They go to church just to go through the motion. They go to church because they feel guilty. They go to church and they serve God because it's something they ought to do. They forgot about the hope they have in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you this morning that you and I will do our utmost best to remind ourselves of the hope they have with Christ. Because friends, without that hope, it is impossible. You know, Jesus gave two commandments. He he said that there's the two most important commandments that we have to observe. First is what? Love the Lord your God with all your mind, your heart, your soul, and your strength. Right, Love the Lord You go with all your mind, soul, and strength. I, can't, I don't know whether it's the right order because I don't have a photogenic memory like some people in this church, you know. But you know, love, love the Lord You go with all your mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, this is very difficult to do if you don't have hope. You think to yourself, why do I need to love God that much? Why do I need to serve? Oh, friends, I tell you, when you are reminded of the hope you have in God, When you remember that the only reason why we exist is for that eternal hope. Oh, I'll tell you this you will be so excited to want to serve God you'll be so excited to want to love people instead of putting your hope on this earth hope about a better career hope about better this or that temporal thing now you place your hope in heaven friends I tell you it will be no problem for you to sacrifice it'll be no problem for you to love people it'll be no it becomes a natural thing for you see hope is the key if you lose the hope you lose everything now what is it that you're hopeful today? I really pray to God that He'll renew your hope. A lot of people ask, how is it that I can renew my hope? What is it that I do? Because, you know, it's like everywhere you turn to, the world is calling our name. Come Come, see how pretty this car is. You know, cars, new cars, calling your name. New job is calling your name. Money is calling your name. Television show is calling your name. And 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 the, the girl is calling your name. Girls, they're calling your name. Guys, they're calling your name, you know, for the girls, right? And, you know, a lot of things are calling your name and distracting you. The minute you wake up, you know, your phone rings, you know, message coming in, this, that, the other thing. How is it that you can maintain and renew? your hope, this is what I believe you and I can do this week. I'm just preaching the first portion of the very first portion of what I want to preach. So you can see this whole thing probably lasts for the whole summer for this whole study of Colossians. But the point is this, is that the way that you renew your hope is this, you spend time in the morning... Before you get started, reading the Word of God. Why is that? Because in the Word of God, it reveals the eternal hope. It reminds you of the eternal hope that you have in Christ. Who you are, the promises is given to you. And not only in this lifetime, because the Bible says that if our hope, if our hope as believers is only on this earth, we are the most miserable man of all. And that's why a lot of Christians are quite miserable. Because, you see, they, they, they've been told, that, you know, their life is very restricted, which is not true. And they've been told that life is not fun, which is not true. And that, you know, if they keep all those rules, and they, they, they will have a, a, a healthy and, and provided life. That's such a lie. That's such a lie. And so they live in a very hopeless situation. Why? Because their hope is only on the present time. And that's why they're miserable. Friends, I want you to switch your hope this morning from the current to eternal. And staying in the Word, staying in His presence is what keep your hope alive and therefore keep your faith alive and therefore keep your love alive. It is impossible, nearly impossible for anyone to keep their hope alive if they're not connected to the Word of God. See, it's one thing that for you to come here and sit in the church once a week, as you come, you know, you're renewed, your faith is renewed, and God speaks to you, and you, 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 know, you, 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 you associate with believers, and so you, you become happier, you become more excited, but as soon as you leave this place, everything in the world is screaming for your attention. And how can we stay focused of the eternal hope the only way to do it is consistently staying in the word you know when you read the word in the morning you need to read his word you know don't just read the word because you have to look for hope in the word Look for the hope of God in the world. You know, if you read the book of Acts, you know, Acts is a pretty amazing book, you see tremendous amount of sacrifices are being made by the believers. As they make those sacrifices and they pour out their life, they started to see amazing move of God in their personal lives and in the church. There was this mighty move. And you know why? Because they had this amazing hope always front and center in front of them. You know, the church in the first century, they were actually more hopeful about eternity than we do because a couple of thousand years later, you can imagine a lot of philosophy, a lot of theology is trying to speak down on those hope. But if you, if you read the book of Acts, they actually believe that Jesus was coming back imminently and that's why the hope was very, very strong. I just pray that God will open up your eyes this morning to see his hope. And let that hope be the motivating factor for you to become alive in God, in your love for God, in your passion for people, your passion for Christian believers, your passion to pray, your passion to do everything that you think you're supposed to do. You know, let me say this last thing that I'm going to close. When you truly have the hope that you ought to have, when you have the hope of Christ front and center, do you know what's going to happen? Everything about what you need to believe, how you need to believe, how you need to love, will become such a natural thing. You don't even have to put up an effort. It becomes a natural thing. It's as natural as a young man having an infatuation with a young woman. Is that you don't need to tell the young guy how to, how to buy roses. You don't need to help tell the young guy how to, buy, you know, how to treat the girlfriend right. You don't need it because it's natural for him to go out of his way to do what he needs to do. Why are some people working so hard in school? Because they know there's hope for a better future. Why are some people, in fact, I'll say that in this city, most of the people in this city are immigrants, you know, statistically saying that over 50% of the people in this city were not born in the city. They come from other provinces, they come from other cities. they come from other countries. And so they were not born here. Many of them came here for an opportunity. They have this hope Temporary hope nonetheless for a successful life. And that's why some of them working multiple jobs. I just met a young man this week. He just gave his heart to the Lord. And he tells me that he works seven days a week. Seven days. I think he says 11 hours. I can't remember. That's brutal. How did he work seven days a week and 11 hours? Because he had this hope to, to build a new life for himself. Friends, I want to tell you this. There is a bigger hope than this. Yes, good to have those hopes, but you know, there is a more deeper, more profound hope than you can have. I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, even as I speak to the congregation, as I minister to them, Lord, that you will speak to them and you'll give them hope in their heart. The hope that never fades. The hope that is renewed. And that they will meditate day and night. They will not allow the chaos in the world to distract them. They will not allow the temptation of the world to distract them. Holy Spirit, even as I speak, for those who are in this room and for those who are watching, oh, Father, some of us have lost hope even in this life. We have lost hope even in the next near future I pray, Holy Spirit, now, even as I speak, you begin to birth new hope in every single individual's heart. You know, I know that there's some that are watching and some that are here, you're at a certain age right now that you're starting to give up on your hope. But I want you to know this, is that you don't need to give up hope because there's new hope for you. You can have hope when you are 75 as much as you can have hope when you are 15. Many people, when they get to the age of 75, they start to have lost hope. They say to themselves, this is my lot in life. This is what it is. And they don't have any more new hope, new goal, new plan. May I encourage you? It doesn't matter how old you are. Be the person that always lives in eternal hope. Well, I hope you're blessed by what we've been teaching this morning, and I pray that if there's anything that you would remember today, is that you would remember this one thing, is that your hope is what drives you. Your hope to love people, your hope to have great faith in God, to pursue faith, is what drives your behavior. If you lose that hope, you lose everything. It's like everything else on earth. So I pray that God will give you the hope that you need to have. I thank you so much for coming to watch. I appreciate that you have spent time with us this morning. Before you go, let me just try to remind you about next week. Next week, we are opening up the church officially. And so, but what you need to do is you need to register before you come. And we're not trying to be difficult. We're not trying to, you know, make it hard for people to come to church. In fact, if I could help it, I would say no registration at all. Just come as you please, you know, sit wherever you want, hug, kiss, whatever, you know. But it's not up to me you know because i like to go like to, like our church to go back to normal. unfortunately this is the time when we need to be very diligent and as believers we got to take leadership role to show the world how we ought to be a good citizen in Ontario, if you're living in Ontario. Some of you are living in different provinces, you have different rules, but if you're living in Ontario, we need to abide by them. So if you can, register for one of the two services. I would encourage you to do it quickly because we can only allow people up to 30% of our capacity to be in the sanctuary. And so it's on first come, first serve basis. And so if you don't know where to register, you haven't received any email from us, you will, I, I would encourage you to go to the website or just rewind the the, uh, the announcement, and you'll see where to get uh, get your registration. But some of you who are part of this church, you will receive an email, and uh, I want to encourage you to register it. I thank you again for coming to join us. I thank you that you have been so faithful in coming in and tuning in. I cannot wait to see you next week, and uh, we're going to, you know, see each other. I mean, we won't be a hug, unfortunately. Um, you know, can't even do a high five, but, you know, we're going to we'll wave with each other and love one another, but it's quite a different experience coming to the church. I know you know that. But some of you still want to stay on the internet. You're comfortable and and bless you. We're not going to force you. Just do what you need to do. And some of you have health issues. Again, if you have health issues or you have some kind of symptom, uh, please don't come. You know, stay home. And we'd rather you stay at home and be blessed and then coming. But I know that we human being, we are social creatures. We need to each other. We need to see each other. And that's why we're in the house of God. And that's why there's so many people in the dream team that are here today. And so I want to encourage you uh, when you receive the email, just go ahead and register. I will see you next week. Thanks again for watching. God bless you and goodbye.